Um, this morning, like Pastor Brandt said, we have some really exciting news. Uh, we're doing some pretty cool things here. We're launching life groups today. Are we all excited about that? We're launching life groups. Yes, right? Get excited. Uh, that's amazing. And, and you might even be thinking, don't we already have small groups? Isn't that something that we've already been doing? And that's a great question. And uh, you're right, we did already have some small groups, but this is new and improved. We're expanding the definition of groups. Uh, first of all, with life groups comes this addition of our semester-based, short-term life groups. And these will start at the end of September and end the beginning of December. Uh, they're still going to be long-term life groups. They're still going to be class-style life groups. They're still going to be ministry life groups. All those things will still be taking place. Um, but, but there's going to be all kinds of places that you can get connected and live life together with other followers of Jesus. I brought up some examples of what you're going to see out in the lobby. Uh, this is, uh, here's an example of the sign-up sheets and what they look like. Uh, this is the Groff Life Group. Uh, there's going to have a bio down here. It says Lynn and Lucy. They've been married for 37 years. Let's give it up for that. That's amazing, right? 37 years, two adult children, 10 grandchildren. Um, but then you have over here on the side just the information of the life group and a place to sign up here at the bottom. Um, another example I wanted to bring up here, this is uh, Pastor Bob's identity class style life group. So if you notice, the sign-up sheet looks exactly the same, right? So it's the exact same sign-up sheet, just different information. It says the purpose of this class is to give Christians an understanding of our current culture, uh, how God views the subject of identity or self, and how to have a positive impact for Jesus. And I think that's very relevant uh, for today's world. Amen. So I feel like, uh, I feel like I'm up here. I'm, I'm holding these up. I'm kind of like hosting like a, a dating show or something. Like I should have another one and be like, hey, bachelor number three, here's what, here's what we got going on. But here's the thing. These are two really great examples, but we have dozens of those great examples out in the lobby today. So uh, I want you to go check those out. Um, get signed up for a life group today. Uh, and, and I'm going to be talking more about this today because um, I, I believe that it's so important to get connected uh, because I believe we were created for a connection. We were created for connection. And I'm confident that getting connected and getting in a life group is a helpful step to belonging. And belonging will help you grow and you mature in your relationship with Jesus. I want to start by telling you a little bit about myself um, I have some exciting news, actually. My wife, Brittany, and I, uh, I'm going to let you know what we've been up to this past summer. So in July, we actually closed on our first house. Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're so excited about that. We're loving it now. Uh, it, things are going really good. Now, if you know me, you know I can't, uh, I can't pass up a good pun. I just can't do it. And some of you hate puns, and I know it. And so you're sitting there groaning. Well, that just makes it more exciting for me to share. So I, I picked up this pun along the way uh, while we were buying a house. It goes something like this. Uh, what's a realtor's favorite drink? Property. And I know what you're thinking. That's not a real drink. That's not. But trust me, it is realty. I get it? Okay. Yeah, that was bad, right? Um, jokes aside, uh, we really did close on a house a few months ago. There's a picture up here. Uh, where we're standing on our porch doing that classic, like we just bought a house picture with on the porch with our key. And uh, we're loving it now, but I, I got to be honest with you guys, the process itself was draining. Um, yeah, the idea of buying your own house and owning your own house, it's, it's exciting. Um, but the process itself, it's a, lot of, it's a lot of time spent searching, a lot of paperwork to fill out. 
And, and until you find the right house, most of the time, you're just walking around kind of disappointed. I don't know if, if uh, you've ever bought a house or if your example has been the, the same, but uh, it was a lot of looking through Zillow and being like, wow, this house looks really, really nice. And then you go to the house and you realize, oh, these pictures look really, really nice, right? You go in some of these houses, it looks like an a, a episode of Hoarders or something. And, and so you just walk around a little disappointed. Um, now, I, I might surprise you, the house that's up there, uh, it's actually the second house we made an offer on. Uh, so uh, the, the first house fell through because there was a brick problem. And, and let me explain that to you. Uh, you might already know this, but a brick is a block that you use to build houses. I'm an expert in this, trust me. Uh, a brick is a block you use to, to, buy, to build houses, and, uh, and, and bricks were created to be connected to one another so that when all your bricks are connected, when every brick is in its place, uh, it takes the shape of a sturdy building. Well, in this first house that we made an offer on, uh, the bricks of the house had shifted, and, uh, and they, it caused a separation in the wall, and in the foundation, there were several cracks in the foundation, and if you, if you know anything about houses, that's a pretty big problem, right? For most of us, that's a deal breaker. Uh, at least it was for Britt and I, so we had to pass up that opportunity. Um, but it did get me thinking about the differences between connection and separation. Between connection versus separation. Now, I'm, I'm really not an expert, but the way I understand it is, is that a wall can crack when there's some outside force, like rain, is pushing on the wall. It, it's, it's causing this pressure. It's causing it to shift. And, uh, and so when it shifts, it causes a separation. Bricks were created for connection, but can shift towards separation, and it makes those cracks. And stick with me here, because the same is true for you and me. The same is true for us. Uh, as followers of Jesus, we were created for connection, but we shift towards separation. We, use, we shift towards separation. When we believe the lies of fear and doubt and loneliness, the walls of our lives begin to crack, and it becomes easier for us to isolate ourselves. Uh, now, through, uh, through my life, I've lived in six states uh, over 10 different houses. Some of you probably have more of a record. Maybe some of you have less. But I, I got to tell you, there's been times in my life where I felt very alone. In fact, if we're real with ourselves, some of the hardest times in our lives are where we feel completely isolated. Maybe you're going through a tough situation and you look around and there's just nobody there to support you. Or maybe uh, you got something great to celebrate and there's no one there to join you in the celebration. Um, maybe even today, as we're, we're all uh, getting up, Pastor Andy's having us uh, welcome each other and, and shake hands and uh, give high fives and give hugs, uh, whatever you're comfortable with. And you were just standing there and you're looking around and you kind of just felt left hanging while everyone's high-fiving, hugging, and shaking hands. Uh, so you kind of did that thing where you just, you know, try to go unnoticed. You look around a little and you just like sit down and, you know, you, you don't want people to notice you. Um, if that's you and you're in a room full of people today or, or you're sitting at home watching us online, uh, I want you to know that, uh, that you are not alone. You are not alone. And many of us feel the same way or have felt the same feeling of isolation, of separation, and uh, I want you to know that God's desire for you, his greatest plan and purpose for you, 
is for you to belong. And, and maybe you're sitting here and you don't feel alone this morning. Well, guess what? This message is still for you. I'm not leaving you out here. So this message is still for you because we should be looking for ways to invite others to belong. You see, God created us with this desire to be connected. He created us to have connection with him and with each other. But it's so natural for us to shift towards separation. And if we're going to belong, we need to fight the urge to shift. So I want you to grab your, your weapons with me today. Grab your swords, get them out, and stand with me if you're able. We're going to read together Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Uh, read it with me loud and proud. Paul writes this. He says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work and helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father, we come with a heart of worship today to magnify and glorify your name. Uh, we, as the body of Christ, want to give you all the praise and honor you deserve, and we can't do that without your Spirit coming to be with us. Uh, so we ask that you come, Holy Spirit, and give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Uh, unite us as one body with the mind of Jesus and empower and equip us to live in love like him. Uh, we ask for the strength to endure the fiery arrows of the enemy that seem to keep coming our way. Uh, Lord, it seems like we're getting hit a lot. Uh, provide supernatural comfort and peace to Pastor Chad and the Overbeek family and, and healing and rest for Pastor Jeff and the Ellis family. Uh, there are also all of us, uh, others here today and watching online and in our thoughts and, and, and they're, they're dealing with difficult situations, emotional turmoil, physical pain, mental depression, spiritual doubts. Father, would you make the love of your son Jesus known to them in a real and personal way today? It's in his name we make our request known, and, and it's his name we ask for the presence of your spirit to come be with us. Amen. Now, context is always important, right? That's, that's the first thing they teach you when you're studying the Bible. You got to look at the context. Well, it's even more important when focusing on just one or two verses like we're doing this morning. So I, I want you to stick with me. Um, I want to give you a quick rundown of what's going on here in Ephesians 4. Uh, here uh, in Ephesians 4, Paul's, Paul's giving encouragement to the church of Ephesus. Uh, he, he wants the followers of Jesus in Ephesus to live in a way that will reflect the grace they've been given by God. So Paul's saying if we live in a way that reflects that grace, now really quickly, let's define what grace is, right? Uh, grace means two things. Number one, that every good thing you have, every good thing you can think of is an undeserved gift from Jesus. Number two, that this life is lived only with the help of Jesus' spirit in you. So if we live like that, if we reflect that grace, those two truths, verse 14 says this, he says, Then we will no longer be immature like children. 
We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like truth. So here, Paul's saying a sign of our maturity is that we're capable of recognizing, we're capable of fighting uh, the lies we are being told by Satan. Paul's describing a person here who doesn't know where to find the source of truth. He doesn't know where to find the source of life. Someone who's repeatedly being deceived by imposters and cheated by frauds. But listen to this. If we live in the light of the grace of Jesus, Paul says that's not us. That's not who we are. Instead, we become lie detectors. That's what we become. We become lie detectors. Roll with me here. This is a fun analogy for me. So uh, I'm going I'm to push it as far as I can. Uh, as followers of Jesus, we get to hook Satan up to a polygraph, guys. That's what we get to do. We're hooking Satan up to a polygraph. We're opening the truth serum of God's word, right? And we're going to ask it questions, and we're going to test it. We're going to test it, and just make sure that what we're hearing, these lies that we're hearing, uh, we'll be able to, uh, as we continue to do this, as we continue to ask those questions, we'll be better at becoming and seeing. Uh, we'll be better at seeing and hearing those lies, right? Uh, so, so what usually happens when we see a lie, right? You know, the, you start to notice that, uh, that the voice is changing, right? Uh, maybe we have uh, Satan hooked up to a polygraph. Uh, let's call him Satan Okio, right? You'll start to see his nose grow. Uh, so we'll, we'll get better and better at that as we, as we use God's word uh, to, to help us as we mature and become better lie detectors. Uh, so I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a lie detector, I'm a lie detector. Good. Uh, then, we're, then what I want you to do today, let's go ahead and plug Satan up to our polygraphs real quick. Uh, we're going to put our lie detecting to the test. Let's get serious about addressing one very specific lie that Satan wants us to believe. This is from, uh, this is from an article. It's called The Greatest Lie Satan Will Ever Tell You. It's by Natasha Metzler. Uh, so pay close attention because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read part of the article and it is a little heavy and wordy and, and artsy. So stick with me here. Uh, here's what she writes. She says, she says, you heard it, I'm sure. Whispered in the dark of night, shouted under the bright light of day, slithering into the desperate places of your heart. Maybe it came while you were in crowds of people or locked in your bedroom with the curtains pulled tightly shut. I've felt it in the deepest places of my pain and seen it echoed through my sorrows. Sometimes it slips in quiet and makes itself comfortable on the edge of my mind. Other times it's so loud, I cringe as it reverberates through my life. But I hear it over and over. It sounds like me, but, it, but really it's him talking. It's the enemy of my soul. And, and the words, what's he saying? He's saying, I'm all alone. I'm all alone in my pain. I'm all alone in my hurt. I'm all alone in my life. I'm all alone with no job. I'm all alone with no friends. I'm all alone in my marriage. I'm all alone in fill in the blank. Whatever it is you're going through, just fill in the blank. God left me all alone. That's the greatest lie Satan will ever tell you. Now I'm going to pause right here because that's a pretty relatable feeling, right? Uh, many of us have been there. And some of us might even be there now, but our lie detectors should be going off. They should be, it should be beeping. And what, it, what should it be telling us? Do we know? Well, the article goes on to say, it says this. Is here, here's what our lie detectors should be telling us. There's a reason the enemy uses this lie over and over. If you believe you're all alone, no one can empathize with you. If you believe you're all alone, then no one is there to help you pick up the broken pieces of your life. 
If you believe you're all alone, no one can call you to account for your sin because they just don't understand the pain I'm going through. And if you believe you're all alone, dear friends, no one can give you grace. So, okay, lie detectors, did you catch the lie? Did you catch it there? Uh, More importantly, do we know what the truth is? If you missed it, I'm about to tell you. So listen up, here's the truth. You are not alone. You are not alone. And uh, the enemy saying you're alone is a big, fake, evil lie. That's all it is. And, and, and you can't let this lie shift you towards separation. Uh, don't let it isolate you from the grace of Jesus and the love of others that's available for you today. Pay attention to this. Jesus is building his church. That's what he's doing, right? Uh, that's what the Bible tells us. He's building his church. And we are the bricks he's using to do it. He's using us, fitting us in, brick by brick, stone by stone, with himself as the cornerstone. And, and we were created for connection, but we have to fight the shift towards separation. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to fight the shift. You know why? Because this is a fight worth fighting. Uh, this is a battle worth winning. Uh, but because we're created for connection, we can't fight it alone. We have to fight it with Jesus and we have to fight it together. So again, this will be the last time, I promise. Look to your neighbor or comment online if you're watching online. Repeat, me, repeat after me. Say, I'm going to fight the shift. I'm going to fight the shift. Yeah, you guys are getting into it. Perfect. That's great. Uh, but now that we're, we're all ready to fight the shift, now that we're talking to our neighbors, how are we going to do it? How are we going to fight the shift? <laughs> that was a great plug. Good job. That's, that's good. How are we going to fight the shift? Uh, well, we're going to look at three ways to fight the shift towards separation. So let's jump in and uh, figure out how to fight the shift. Let's uh, look back at verse 15. Um, Paul says, so if we're, be- if we're mature, that we'll no longer believe lies. And then he says this. He says, instead... We will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of the body, the church. Now let's break this down, because uh, the word for truth and love here, it's meant to be applied in a relationship. You can't live truth and love alone. It has to be done in relationship with, with others. So... Uh, It's actually translated as faithfulness in other places in the Bible. That truth and love phrase. It's translated faithfulness in some places. And a truth and love person is a faithful person. It's someone who does what they say they're going to do. It's someone whose words aren't only true and loving, but whose actions are also true and loving. Um, So how do we become a truth and love person? How how are we supposed to be that? How are we supposed to practice truth and love in relationship with others? Speaking the truth in love and being a faithful person is impossible to do on our own, but it starts by following the example of Jesus. That's where most things start, right? Follow the example of Jesus. Uh, Being a truth in love person, being a faithful person, starts by following the example of Jesus. So how can we fight the shift towards separation? How can we live the life we were created for instead of uh, living in isolation? Well, here it is. Number one. Remember the faithfulness of Jesus because everybody needs Jesus. The most important connection that, uh, that we have that you were created for, uh, that you were created to have, is your relationship with Jesus. Uh, when you walk with Jesus, guess what? Guess what? 
He's going to be there walking with you even in the difficult times. Even in the knockout, drag out, uh, kicking and screaming on the ground times. Jesus is going to be there for you in those circumstances. We have his word, right? We have Jesus' word telling us what he's going to do, right? That's part of being a faithful person. We have Jesus' word, uh, his truthful word, telling us what he's going to do. These are his promises to us. And then we also have his spirit in us, loving us, doing what he said he would do for us. And the longer we walk with him, as we're daily filled up with his spirit, the more we'll be able to look back and remember just how faithful he's been to us. I want you to think about the Israelites. Uh, first, who are the Israelites, right? Um, quick recap for anyone who doesn't know. Uh, they were God's people in the Old Testament. They were in Egypt in slavery. And God just basically busted them out. He told them, he said, hey, I'm going to get you out of here and you're going to go to the promised land. And what did they do? They wandered around in the desert for 40 years. And what were they doing? They'd be shifting, right? They were shifty people. Uh, we could call them shiftrelites basically, right? So the, these Israelites, they could have just walked straight into the promised land, but they had their complaints, they had their doubts, they had their, these things that creeped in, these lies that they were telling themselves, causing them to separate from God, causing them to separate from each other. There's lots of infighting. Uh, the Israelites, they kept shifting. They kept shifting. And so, so when we pick up their story in Joshua 4, this is 40 years of shifting. And they're standing at the banks of the Jordan River, with the promised land just on the other side. They finally uh, got to this place. All they got to do, take the promised land, all they got to do is just walk across. And it's right, it's, it's, it's right there. So now this is important. This is a big, big day in Israelites' history. And uh, everyone's, everything's finally coming together, all those promises that they've been given by God. So here's what God tells Joshua. He gives them some super important instructions. Uh, God says, I want you to take 12 stones 12 stones out of the river, and I want you to place them as a memorial to remember my faithfulness, to remember that I delivered you, to remember that I'm the God who walked with you all this time. You've spent 40 years shifting, but that hasn't shifted my love for you. That hasn't shifted my faithfulness towards you. That hasn't shifted me at all. So, uh, Here's, here's what, what he ends up saying. Here's what Joshua takes that message from God. Uh, takes the message of God who says, I've, I am, I have been, I always will be your faithful God. Remember my faithfulness. Joshua goes to the Israelites and he says this to them. He says, in the future, your children will ask, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, this is where the Israelites crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Basically, this is where God reminded us of his faithfulness. You see, the Israelites were supposed to look to the stones and remember God's faithfulness day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year, generation after generation. When their children asked, they were supposed to remember and say, look, son, look, daughter, our God, he's a faithful God. He has always provided a way for us. He's never left us alone. He's faithful. And these stones, those stones that you're looking at, the stones that you're asking about, they represent the slavery. They represent the thirst. They represent the hunger. They represent the loss. They represent the wandering and all the difficulties in our lives that God was faithful to overcome. Now I want to stop right now because I recognize that there are many people uh, when you think about it, those stones, those stories of God's faithfulness, you think, man, that's great. 
That's really good for you. Uh, That was a memorial to remember God's faithfulness. That's amazing. But Pastor John, the stones I'm carrying feel more like a weight to me. They're painful moments where I feel like God hasn't been faithful, where I look back and I really wonder, where is he? And if that's you here today, I I get it. I I get that. And it can be all sorts of situations. Uh, Maybe it's the person that abandoned you, that, that broke your heart and they left you and you wonder, God, where were you? Uh, That was supposed to be someone who cared for me. That was supposed to be someone who loved me. Why did you do that? Where were you? Why didn't you intervene? Maybe it's that job that you were waiting on. That you you knew, man, if I get this job, uh, my family's set. It'll help my family a lot. God knew I needed it, and I didn't get it. Why wasn't he faithful? Maybe it's somebody that you trusted, that abused you, that scarred you in your life. Uh, and that's, that's a pain that you carry with you. And you say, man, I, I can't imagine that there's any good in this. Where's the good here? Where was God when I needed him? Why didn't or why isn't God helping me with my stones? If that's where you're at right now, or if you find yourself stuck feeling this way in the future, because we'll all have our moments, uh, we're about to say the second way to fight the shift. If you're taking notes, write this down. You, you need to rely on Jesus' people because everybody needs somebody. To help fight the shift, you need to rely on Jesus' people because everybody needs somebody. Uh, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs somebody. You'll never grow through what you go through if you're living this life isolated and separated and all alone. Paul writes in verse 16, he says this, he says, Jesus makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Everybody needs Jesus, right? But check this out. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Everybody needs somebody. Paul's saying, look, your entire church family, every individual, uh, if you look to your left, if you look to your right, those people sitting here with you in Walloon Church, those people uh, sitting over in East Jordan Church, those people sitting over in Atlanta Church, our entire church family is so important in helping you grow. Paul uses body language, pun intended, to show us what it looks like for others to help us grow. So hear me out. If I'm a broken leg, just picture me as a broken leg, that might look weird, but and I'm trying to grow, and I'm trying to heal, then I'm going to need to rely on the other leg to keep me walking, right? To keep the body moving. I'm going to need to rely on the eye to make sure that I don't get too swollen. I'm going to need to rely on uh, on, uh, the arms, right? To help hold my crutches. If we're broken or feeling weak because we're in the middle of fighting a temptation or dealing with a crisis or grieving a loss then we need someone to lean on. We need someone to be there for us. Now, I'm going to say something hard, so listen up, because uh, we, so we need someone to lean on. We need someone to be there for us. That someone can't be another broken leg, right? If I'm a broken leg, I can't be relying on my other broken leg to get me around. So if you have people in your life whose words and lives her words and lives, they're not passing our lie detector test. Remember, we're lie detectors. So if you have people who are in your life and their lives and their words aren't passing that lie detector test, then we need to get the right people speaking into us. You need the right people who are actually going to help you grow. And for some of us, that means there are relationships that we need to stop relying on. Now, that'll look different for all of us. 
So, so this broken person that you might be thinking of right now, who you've been relying on, uh, this broken person, they might even be in your life for you to help them grow, but that might look like you stepping back and spending more time with people who are going to help you look more like Jesus so that you can better help the other broken people in your life look more like Jesus. The difference between where you are today and where Jesus wants you to be depends on having the right, godly, Jesus-filled, uh, iron-sharpening-iron people in your life to help you remember the faithfulness of Jesus when you can't remember, when you're feeling weak, when you're having your doubts. So number one, remember the faithfulness of Jesus. Number two, rely on his people. Uh, everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs somebody. Let's put verse 16 up again to get our final way to fight the shift. So I just want to remind you what it says. Paul writes, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the, love, so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. This is important. Don't miss this. Because Paul's saying, as much as you rely on getting things from the body of Jesus, as much as you attend church to receive something that will help you, guess what? The rest of the body also relies on you in order to also grow. So number three, if you're taking notes, how we fight the shift, release the power of your story because somebody needs you. You see, everybody needs Jesus, everybody needs somebody, but somebody needs you. You see, uh, uh, you have a story, and that story has the potential to change someone else's life. A great example of this is the story of David and Goliath. Uh, most of us know this story, but stick with me here. So we have uh, Goliath, he's a mighty warrior giant, right? Uh, he comes up and he basically de he defies God's people. He defies God. He's challenging the Israelites. Uh, he wants to challenge their army to a fight. And nobody wants to fight him. Right? They're like, this guy looks kind of big. I don't know if I would survive this fight. David, a young shepherd boy, he shows up and he says, look, you're going to come against my people. You're going to come against my God. You're going to catch these hands. We're, that's, that's Gen Z for we're going to fight. Right? Uh, we're going to fight. Uh, and, and what does David do? He picks up five smooth stones from the river. And he takes one of those stones. He puts it in a sling. He swings it around. And he launches it. And then right on Goliath's forehead, right? Hits Goliath. Goliath goes down. Now, we always talk about the story in relation to slaying our own giants, right? How many of you heard that before? That story is all about slaying our own giants. That's, that's what they say. And that's, that's good. I think that's a great application. But the truth is, David wasn't fighting his own personal giant. Goliath wasn't challenging David alone. He was challenging the people of God. He was challenging God himself. So David responded because he was defending his people. So stick with me here because it's about to get really good. When we experience the connection we're created for, when we start living life together we become each other's people, right? And when you're my people, your giant becomes my giant. When you're my people, your giant, the thing that you're facing in your life, that becomes my giant. And those painful stones we talked about, the ones you might be currently working through, and also the ones that we've picked up and that we've processed and that Jesus has walked us through, guess what they become? They become weapons to help slay not only your giants, but the giants of others. So that divorce that broke you, 
You know, the one that Jesus put the pieces back together in again. And and it becomes a weapon to slay giants in your life and the lives of others. Uh, The addiction that took you out. Jesus brings you back in and it becomes something you can use to help somebody else. Uh, The abandonment you felt. Maybe your parents left you and you wonder even as an adult, why didn't they want me? Jesus says, I want you. And that becomes part of your story and it becomes a stone in your sling. You see, your story is power, and you need to release the power of your story. You need to be sharing your story, because just maybe your story could be the stone that takes down someone else's giant. Your story could be the stone that takes down someone else's giant. Listen up. The the pain that you've gone through, uh, maybe it's the pain you're going through. It's not in vain. It's not in vain. God can, and he will use it. If you're feeling that pain right now, that just means God's not done with you. That's all it means. God's not done with you. He'll take the pain and he's going to redeem it and he'll use it. He'll use it as a stone. He'll use it as a weapon to slay giants. Uh, Guys, if you leave with nothing else here today, you need to know this. You ready? We are created for connection. And while the troubles of this world want you to shift and separate, while it wants you to isolate yourself from God and isolate yourself from others, God's calling us this morning to fight the shift. And, uh, and we've learned uh, that, that we do that by remembering the faithfulness of Jesus, by relying on his people, and by releasing the power of our stories. Because get this, everybody needs Jesus, everybody needs somebody, and somebody needs you. Somebody needs you. So lock this in. If we remember this and live this out, we'll never be alone. We'll always have Jesus. We'll always have each other. And maybe, just maybe, that's exactly why God brought you here today. Just think about that. It's a day of all days, right? Uh, we, w- the day that we're launching life groups, God brought you here. Eyes on me. You need to get around people that are walking, that are walking in the same direction with you. You need to be in a community. You need to be consistently meeting with people that are going to encourage you, that are going to hold you accountable. You might be here in front of me and sit, or sitting down at your computer at home, and, uh, and you might be thinking here, Jesus is tugging at your heart this morning. I, I don't want you to ignore that. Don't ignore that tug. Look, if you're having trouble seeing Jesus' faithfulness, or maybe you're asking yourself, how do I find the right people? Or, or you're ready to maybe share your story to help slay giants for others. Let me tell you a way you can do this. It's, it's very practical. Just one very, very practical way. Five words. Here it goes. You might want to write this down. Get in a life group. Get in a life group. It'll help you grow in your relationship with Jesus. It'll give you people to rely on. And it'll give you the opportunity to use what Jesus has done in your life to make an impact in the lives of others. Uh, I've got a great example of this this morning. I want you to listen to this testimony of two of our very own people uh, whose lives were forever changed by being a part of a life group. Check out this video. A little bit about the impact that life groups have had on our lives. So I was at a point in my life where I was feeling like I needed more. Uh, we were attending Sunday morning services and I was involved into a ladies Bible study and both were great, but I was just looking for a deeper connection. It was at that point in time that a friend had mentioned that we should um, look into 
joining a home group after looking around and seeing what they were about I was ready to sign us up and I really wasn't I was very hesitant I didn't want to go I thought we were busy enough we uh, we had a lot going on in our lives and we didn't have time for it and I didn't think we needed it we were doing all the right things but I was wrong um, the Lord led us to a group and it changed our lives yeah, the group really helped us grow in our relationship with the Lord. Um, we were digging into God's Word every single week and praying for each other. And then it really became a place where we felt safe to share our struggles and our burdens. And um, we knew that we weren't alone. And as time went by, we were realizing that we wanted to spend more and more time together. And we did. We went to concerts together. We uh, spent time just hanging out and visiting together. We went camping together. We spent vacation time together. We did birthday parties together. We uh, put on graduation parties and weddings together. And we became family. Yeah, and it was in the middle of all of that that um, one of our group members who was previously diagnosed with breast cancer and was in remission, uh, she got the news that the cancer was back and that had spread to other parts of her body. Um, this was devastating news, and I think after we got through the initial shock, uh, I think the group all realized that this was one of the reasons why God had brought us all together. It was so that uh, Jill and Dennis didn't have to walk through this alone. Um, so we did what any other family would do for each other. We continued doing our weekly movie nights with them and we helped get Jill to and from doctor's appointments and chemo treatments and we renovated a portion of their home so that when she became really ill um, she was able to move a little bit more freely and I think most important um, we continued to have fun together and laugh at each other and so when it came time to usher Jill into the arms of Jesus. Uh, all of us were right there and we were singing her favorite worship songs and reading scripture over her. Life groups taught us how to live life that glorifies Jesus. And it was never really about Bible study. We grew and we shared life together and we lived life together. And what a powerful testimony, right? Uh, thank you, Dave and Jody and, and Dennis, for letting Jesus use you. Um, guys, I hope you've been inspired to get in a life group today. Uh, go sign up in the lobby after service today. Go to wallonchurch.com forward slash life groups if you're watching online uh, to contact a life group leader. Uh, get connected. Get in a life group. Um, every head bowed and every eye is closed. Uh, the, the most important connection you were created to have is a relationship with Jesus. And for many of you, you don't have that. If you're honest, you came in here, you, you don't know what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You don't even know if Jesus loves you. Uh, you're asking yourself, how could God love someone like me? I want you to know God does love you. But there's this thing that separates us all from God called sin. Uh, we all fall short of God's standard. And our sin shifts us. It separates us from him. And still, he loved you so much that he sent his only son, Jesus, to be somebody for you. 
He sent his only son, Jesus, who lived a sinless life. He died on a cross so that you and I could be forgiven of our sins. They put him in a tomb. And guess what they did? They covered that tomb with a stone. But three days later, that stone was rolled away and his resurrection and that stone is now a sign of the new life we can have in him. So if you're ready to turn away from your sins today, if you're ready to stop walking on your own, if you recognize that you need Jesus in your life, you're ready to surrender to him and receive the forgiveness and the new life he offers. If that's you, uh, comment online, or if you're here today, just say, I need Jesus in my life. I want to pray with you this morning. your heads bowed and eyes closed if, I, if, if you are ready to turn from your sin if you're, if you're ready to say Jesus I need you in my life just uh, pray, this, pray this with me this morning say Father I believe that Jesus is your son that he died and rose again so that I can be forgiven that he came to be somebody for me take my life I give you control change my heart and make me new Send your spirit to live in me and guide me so that I'll look more like Jesus every day. Father, thank you for your grace and for creating me for connection with you and your people. Help me to be somebody for somebody else. I want us all to take an inventory of our lives. Uh, Maybe you're here today and you haven't even developed a connection with Jesus. Uh, You're here and you're struggling because you can't see Jesus' faithfulness. Uh, you don't recognize that, uh, that you need Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you need someone to rely on, but you don't have the right people around. Uh, there's relationship you need to back off of. Ask God for wisdom and guidance. Ask him to send you the right people. Or maybe you have a sling full of stones, but you're not, you're not using those stones as weapons for others. You're not sharing your story or your life with others. You're not being someone for somebody else. Whatever category we fall into, I want to pray for you. Holy Spirit, would you move and speak to us today? Help us fight the shifts in our life with action steps. We need you. We need your people. We need to be intentional about getting connected because you created us for connection. Father, I I thank you for every person in this room and watching online. You know their hearts. I pray that you would uh, give them the boldness and the courage to continue taking steps of faith, to reach out and get connected to your son Jesus and his people. It's in his name we pray. Amen.